Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 129. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. How's your weekend? Uh, yeah, it was alright. Good. Yeah. I went I went to Paracon, which okay. is all right. a... I, it's supposed to be like a sci-fi fantasy horror convention here. Okay. Okay, so... First of all, this is, I think, the second year they had it, and I didn't go last year, but I was like, oh, I wanna, I'll check it out. I like conventions. They're just kind of, they're fun. So I found out that they moved it to the fairgrounds, and I was like, the fairgrounds? That's an odd place to have a convention like this. So we get there, and it's held in like an expo center. Mm-hmm. No air conditioning. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's like... I mean, there's like a thousand or more people in this thing. No air conditioning. It was miserable. And we get there and it's like these, I don't even want to call them C-list, Z-list celebrities. Like there's a woman that was in like uh, just some like random slasher movie sitting there signing autographs. Lou Ferrigno was probably the biggest one there (laughs) uh, uh. Mm. oh and and c thomas howell too he was there there you go it was horrible it was so hot the the vendors that were set up i was like what is the theme of this this convention because there was like a, a booth that was like an insurance company and then it was like yeah. a booth that was like the local newspaper nice and then there's like a booth of a guy that sells uh, rocks that you can light that they're like uh, oil candle rocks. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Uh, it's just a mismatch of all yeah. sorts of things, it sounds like. There was like no horror related stuff that I could see except for like a couple local authors that were trying to sell their book about. <laughs> Like hauntings or whatever. <laughs> In all honesty, this sounds amazing. Well, that's why I went because I, I I knew it would be kind of funny, and I, I like to go to these just out of the sheer oddity of it. But it was just so hot. I mean, it was like a hundred degrees in there. You couldn't breathe. It was absolutely miserable. We left after like maybe twenty minutes of walking around. <laughs> Uh, don't hold conventions in fairgrounds, for God's sake. Yeah, that's not that's not a good idea. You can hold a fair in a fairground. It usually makes sense to hold a fair at the fairgrounds, but not a convention that's that takes place inside. It was just terrible, just terrible. <laughs> it was so crowded. Mm. Ugh. Anyway, mm. this week we'll be having Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on the show. For review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Then we'll be talking about John Michael McDonough's Calvary. I always want to say Cavalry. But it's cavalry? Cav- Calvary. Calvary. Yeah. Calvary. I always want to say Cavalry. Well, don't. Don't I do know. that. I know. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions. New on video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. My turn. I watched uh, a lot, actually. So, 
maybe just let's let's fucking jump into it. All right. Yeah, maybe just. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna do try some and highlights. Like, I'm gonna try and put like some together here. There's two that I watched that are kind of the the same. You know, low to no budget indie filmmaking. Um, both of them have Kentucker Audley in them. One is actually directed by him, which is Open Five from 2010. The other one is a Swanberg movie called Marriage Material from uh, 2012. Now, both of these I was able to see on Audley's website, nobudge.com. Mm-hmm. So they're both on there. You can both you can stream both of them for free. Now, Marriage Material from Swanberg is quite possibly, out of all the, one, all the Swanbergs that I've seen so far, I think it's his best movie. Hmm. I think it's his best. And this has, you know, it's directed by Swanberg. Got Kentucky Audley in there. The cinematography is done by Adam Weingard, and the cinematography is actually very impressive for you know a no-budget indie, in the sense that it's just a series of long takes where you know, of course, all the actors just improvise their lines, and the camera doesn't move at all. It just sits there static for these long discussions or just them doing you know work around the house just people coming in and out of the frame. It actually works very well. It's only 55 minutes long, and it's very relatable in the sense that it's Kentucky Audley and Caroline White play a couple, and they babysit the Swanberg's kid for like a day or two. Mm-hmm. And then it brings up all this, like now she wants to get married, she gets baby fever, and she wants to have a baby, and it's just them trying to you know, work through this and talk about it and it's just very natural feel to it it works very well i was highly impressed so i definitely say check that one out open five is like a light recommend this is directed by oddly and he's also in it and it's just this <clears throat> kind of the same thing where it's you know just completely improvised it feels like where there's two characters two buddies and fall in love with these girls that come down to visit them in memphis and then they leave and there's really no plot to it whatsoever. It's just sort of you're spending some time with these people. But sprinkled in with this storyline is sort of like a city symphony film about Memphis, Tennessee, where they go to some of, you know, they go to um, like Elvis Presley week and all this and that. And it kind of it kind of works in that regard. But the problem, the main problem that I have with it is Swanberg does the cinematography and he does the... Um, the Duplass brothers style where like in the middle of a conversation, you know, yeah, you're sort of, you're, you're into it and everything. And then all of a sudden it's just a quick zoom out and then he's, you know, like readjusting the focus and you're like, well, that just took me out of everything, which might've been the point because he oddly does sort of blend reality and fiction, but I just, I I can't get past that. It drives me, drives me crazy. Cause I like that. I like that. To me, it just it comes off as so so amateur. It's it's like they're figuring out how to make a movie while they're making it. Uh, I, I, I think it's I just like a it. stylistic choice. But to me, it doesn't add anything. That's the that's the thing I don't like about it. It just it sucks me out. I don't know. I'm just I will always like that. I, I don't like it when it's overused, of course. But yeah, now it's, in, in like a movie like uh, like Cyrus, for instance, yeah, I, I, I will, like that. I will say that that. They don't overuse it. I think they only do it like maybe two or three times, maybe four at the most. But it's much more jarring than what the Duplass brothers do. 
Yeah, there's there's sort of feels like very smooth. Mm-hmm. They're focusing, you know how it jumps in and out. But here it's it's very jarring. But light recommend to open five marriage material is a high recommend. Plus it's only fifty five minutes long. You can bang that out in no time. You can bang that out in exactly fifty five minutes. Well, I'll definitely see marriage material because I've seen a lot of Joe Swanberg's stuff. This, and yeah. I think it's interesting that you're complimenting Adam Weingard. Normally, you don't have nice things to say about him. I, I don't. You are, <laughs> you're, you're very correct. I don't. But I actually, I really enjoyed his cinematography here. I think it's fantastic. It's just, it's very understated. I'll be really perfect. curious to to hear what you think of the guest when that comes out. I think that comes out soon. I still want to check out uh, your next. He did that one too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what you think about that one, too. Uh, Let's see. I I didn't have a whole lot this week. Uh, I did see The Dog, which came out. I saw this as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I watched this last night. Oh, okay. So, uh, basically, this is a documentary about the guy that is the movie Dog Day Afternoon is based on. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, John Waljdowitz, Waljdowitz. I think that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty close. close. Pretty close. The, the interesting thing about this movie is <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he's is... such, he is <laughs> such a character. And would you, if you aren't <laughs> familiar with the premise of Dog Day Afternoon, basically this guy, he's married, he has two kids, he falls in love with... Uh, a transsexual person. Is it transsexual or transgender person? I think it'd be transgender person. <clears throat> I think that's the, the term, preferred term I, now. I don't know anymore. Um, he falls in love with a, a transgendered person and starts, well, he marries that person. Mm-hmm. And then... He's, a, he's extremely ahead of his time. Yeah. Well, that, that's the interesting thing. Like, this is back in this, the, the 70s, early 70s, late 60s, right? Yeah. He, the other thing to note is that he goes off to Vietnam. He fights in Vietnam. He is uh, extremely outspoken in, in the gay rights movement in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. And so he marries this uh, woman who has not had a sex change yet, and this causes a lot of problems she tries to kill herself and he decides okay we need to do this even though he didn't want her to do it and he robs a bank in order to get money to do this sex change and he kind of becomes famous because of this he goes to jail he comes out and i love uh, i love how he used that to further his career you know like after he got out of jail he just kind of banked on the, whole, the movie mm-hmm. and everything in order to make money i love how he signed autographs outside of the bank that he robbed after he got out of prison that's it was kind of it was interesting to see that 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 kind of became his job yeah. where he made a career out of he would just go to that bank and stand outside with the shirt that says i robbed this bank and like that was his nine to five. So I also just, like I'm how go he back to the bank, dude. I'm just gonna sign autographs. He tried to get a job at the bank too, which mm-hmm. I think was funny. Which does it does make sense? 
But it's kind of like, it's kind of like a hacker getting a job at you know right security yeah, exactly. But it's it's funny because like you think oh this this guy is super progressive, but he's he's kind of like a male chauvinist. He's, he's not. An, he's an odd combination. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And one of the things that I I feel like the documentary didn't do that well was really exploring what how how does a person come to this you know like what what makes this person what were the influences that made him the way he is because he's such an odd duck you know <laughs> like i think i think a lot of it had to do with vietnam it could be i think because that's where he had his first that is sexual yeah he experience. did say that that was where yeah and then he said you know that their that their base got attacked and like 90 percent of them died i mean that's gonna affect you big time and then he just and then, you know, with the whole robbing the bank thing, like, what's your future after you get out of jail? Plus, he was terrorized in prison. Right. So then he comes out. I mean, your options are kind of limited in sort of, you know, starting your life back over. So, you know, you try and make an opportunity, you know, take that opportunity and make the most of it. And I did. I thoroughly enjoyed his little his little bit because, you know, people were sort of getting upset with him that he was trying to make money off of this. And, mm-hmm. you know we're giving all this attention to a criminal and everything. And now he said, you know, the studio made a shit ton of money off of them, right. making a shit ton of money off of crime. Yet he makes nothing. Yeah. When he's the one that did all the work, he's the one that risks everything. I thought that was interesting. And like watching dog day afternoon, I knew that it was a true story, but you're figuring, okay, this is the Hollywood movie. They took some liberties, right? You know, they took some liberties. They, most of this probably didn't happen. No, they didn't take any liberties. They didn't take at all. any liberties. <laughs> they were actually they were actually more restrained than what yeah. the story is. And then you know the and you think that it's just going to be bad, but then they unearth this all these other things that it's just I haven't been this entertained by a documentary since Tabloid. It had a it had a a tabloid feel to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Where the the main subject is kind of just a fascinating it's just a fascinating character study really yeah. i think and uh, then, the imposter know, you, also has that kind yeah, of vibe that was a good one too and just to find out about like his other brother mm-hmm. and then to find out the things that happened like maybe it wasn't just because of the sex change operation that he robbed yeah, that the bank was, that was an interesting angle i liked it when they were kind of exploring that and they were saying, like, well, maybe it wasn't about this. Because that kind of changes everything. Because mm-hmm. when when we believe that he robbed this bank solely to get money for that sex change because he, you know, loved this person so much, if it turns out that he really didn't, he really maybe. didn't do it for that reason, and that's just what he said later, you know, I, I don't know. And I have to say, when you see old pictures of him, uh, Pacino is the wrong choice. It definitely should have been De Niro. Absolutely. He looked, he looked, he looked exactly. exactly like De Niro. I said that out loud when I was watching this. I was like, it's fucking De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um I thought it was also interesting how they did he did when they showed one of the older interviews with him, he said that if if uh if Ernie showed up that he would have killed her. I thought that, that was yeah. crazy yeah. for him to admit that. Yeah, cuz it it adds a whole nother layer to this because you, you know you're just thinking on the on the surface you're just like oh this is a really romantic guy 
He's just... He just has so much love to give. Yeah, you and know? he's just... He was pushed to the limit. And he had to get this done. And this was the only way he could do it. And then you find out some of the other things. And you're like, okay, maybe not. Okay, yeah, maybe he's, he is he's a pretty... little... He's mentally unstable. Yeah, he's pretty uh, unbalanced, this guy. Yeah, and I, I wish that the, the documentary explored the relationship with his father because his father was in the picture apparently for a yeah. long time. Like even after he, my, my guess would be that they tried, but the father wanted nothing to do with this. That's what I'm, well, I, I, even don't, if, I mean, it, if he's even alive, I don't now. think he's alive anymore, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if John, uh, kind of requested them to not, do anything with that but that's uh, i was curious about that because i think that probably his relationship with his father has something to do with it yeah i do like how his mother was still alive and they were able to look at his relationship with her and how she was like his mother was a hoot she was just so on board with everything i love how they showed all those pictures that she took with like the various men (laughs) that he would bring out and they were all shirtless. <laughs> like it's just like wow, what oh, a goodness. She she must be a a pretty great mom, and she seemed like a she was just great. They also uh, didn't have anything in the movie about his kids. Yeah, there was Which, nothing, no interviews. They they barely even mentioned that his kids existed. My, and again, my guess would be that those kids were like, no, yeah, no, yeah, leave us out of it. He wanted nothing to do with it, much like his other brother. Because if you notice, when they would show old yeah, pictures, said his they, face yeah. would always be blurred out. So I kind of wish that they would have been able to at least talk about the kids more, because that's another side. I mean, he has two kids, and he's all he talks about is how much he loves everybody, and he has so much love and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what about yeah. your kids, man? <laughs> like, you have two kids. Where are they at? Never talks about that. But either way, I I do recommend this movie. I believe it comes out on demand this Friday. I'll definitely recommend this movie. I also have a review up on the site that you can read. Ooh, I forgot that I wanted to read that. Uh, I have another one that I highly recommend, and which you did a while ago. And for some reason, I slept on it until this week. And that's Resolution. <sighs> Resolution. Holy shit. Yep. Fantastic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not listening to you. <laughs> I was just, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, it's probably like, you know, an average or slightly above average horror movie. Whatever. I'll get to it when I get to it. But damn, this movie is something else. It's barely even horror. Honestly. Yeah. It's more of like a comedy mystery thriller type with like little sprinkles of horror in there. Which I have to say, I completely love the way that they added the horror elements because, you know, with the majority of jump scares, they're telegraphed beyond belief. There's always like a musical cue. There's always this long build up, you know, anytime or they go the opposite route when things get very silent and you're like, well, I know that it's going to be a loud noise at any moment. So you can always you sort of anticipate it always here. They just pop up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it works perfectly because it actually works as a jump scare and not as a gimmick. But the number one thing that I loved about this movie was the the comedy. 
Yeah, the, <laughs> Vinny the banter, Prince. the banter between the two friends, and the, I, I loved their their relationship. It was it was v- great. Yeah, Vinny Coran's uh, his portrayal of Chris. The I'm not, I'm kind of confused as what he was addicted to because there's moments where he says it's meth, and then there's other moments where he's talking about crack. So I don't know if he's addicted to both. I think that he. Uh, I think he just is. Which a is drug a addict. Which is a terrible combination. Yeah. But he is absolutely hilarious, and I just love that even though he's a drug addict, he's the one that seems to be level-headed about everything and just wants to stop, you know, once the creepy stuff starts happening. He just wants to end it and get out of there. He wants nothing to do with it. Like when they find the last reel of film, and he's just sort of hovering over it, and he's like, how about we just not open it? Can we do that? Can we just not open it? Can we just leave? And then even even in the moments where they you know where they sort of go for this like uh, the emotional connection you know with the uh, Michael's character about being a father and everything it never felt forced and it didn't feel out of place at all it just felt like two guys two you know longtime friends having a discussion in the midst of you know people coming in and shooting another person in the face with a shotgun mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just. And for me, it just, it really reminded me of Cache from Haneke, of like, you're not exactly sure where these clips are coming from. Right. And it's all different kinds of clips. You know, there's film reels, there's things popping up on his computer, just all sorts of things happening. And to me, I, I don't know about you, but it felt like it was either the film itself or the viewer was like pushing the story along. I was wondering what you thought of the end. I love the end. I don't exactly have a theory uh, based around it. And it's been probably over a year since I've seen this. So I'm a, I, would, I would have to see it again. I have been meaning to watch it again. But I think that the the end was a problem for some people. But I thought that it was... I, I wasn't was... bothered by it at all. I, th- I thought that it was a good end. I was so worried the whole time that they were going to go the conventional horror route. Like I, I thought about that too. Like, I thought that any moment this is going to take a turn and go the conventional horror route. And I, I so badly didn't want them to do that. And it was almost as if you could see it coming, but then they, ne- but then they never did it. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so, I know. And even, even at the end, they do this, you know... Where everything sort of comes to a happy end and it's all wrapped up in a bow. And I was kind of disappointed. And then just boom, a little, mm-hmm. just a little bit added at the end to just go completely fucking off the wall. And you're like, what? uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I can't recommend this enough. I was completely blown away. Yep. And this is directed by. Uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, and they have a new movie coming out called Spring, which has Cage in it, and I Cage is in it. <laughs> I can can't, I can't wait for this. They said that uh, they told us that uh, what they say that resolute if resolution was Mortal Kombat, then Spring is going to be Mortal Kombat X. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited for I that. Like, I, I like that analogy, and I definitely look forward to it like i thought that i would enjoy this you know because usually when you pick out a horror movie for me you have a pretty solid understanding of what i like and don't like Mm -hmm. 
And I thought I would just be like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. But this, I fucking loved it. And it's different. That was that was the thing. This I, I did look back, and this was my top horror movie of last year. And I liked it because it was a low-budget indie, and they were doing new things. And I love it mm-hmm. when these directors come in and take this genre and add something new. They bring something new to the table. And I, for, for me, it was, you know, it's very aware of itself, much like uh, Cabin in the Woods. But with resolution, it wasn't so much in your face, you know, constantly right, reminding right. you, like, we know exactly what we're doing. We are so aware of ourselves. It's yeah. meta. It's meta. It's I meta. Like, yeah, I feel like the, the tone is a little bit different with those, comparing those two movies also. I think that it's okay for Cabin in the Woods to do that and be so self-aware. Whereas with Resolution, if they were more self-aware and more kind of um, uh, purpose purposeful in what they were doing, I think it would be come off as a little heavy-handed. That's that's yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Is that I think they they dealt with that perfectly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, it was this this and the battery were my top horrors. Of- which now, which now I got to get the battery because you keep telling me about the battery. Well, see, the resolution was my my safe recommend for you. Okay. The battery is a little bit more of a risky recommend okay. because I All think right. that that is definitely not for for everyone. It's it's got an even lower budget than resolution, and which, it's um, I th- I think for some people it may be just too much the majority of the film as you know takes place in just a car with two people having a conversation see and i do th- like that though and i think for for a lot of people it may be just a little bit too too much too dry but uh you you may be surprised i have to say i'm glad that you pointed this out the the low budget of resolution but damn, is it shot? Oh, yeah. I the don't... cinematography in Absolutely. this movie is fantastic for the, such a low budget. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing. Like, I don't. When I say low budget, you I don't, don't mean know. to say that it looks bad. It looks great. You can't tell that this has a low budget. You can't tell at all. The cinematography is, I thought, it was quite exceptional for a low budget indie horror. You know, usually it's just nothing but shaky cam, and it's the tried and true. You know, tight close-ups. Right. But this has a little bit of everything. I thoroughly I honestly believe. I was really surprised by that, actually. I honestly believe that a lot of it comes down to the choice of camera. Like, I think that there's so many of these super, super low-budget shoestring indies that we watch that look like crap, and it's because they can't... They're not using a decent camera. And I think that that adds so much to it. You know, if you have, if you can like spring for a red or an Alexa, it just changes everything and it makes everything look so much more professional. Yeah. Come on. Just, you know, mortgage your house. I hate movies that look like they're shot on video. I cannot stand that. Mm hmm. It's just. Yeah, those ugh. are bad. Those are bad. Anyway, uh, I saw Chef finally. Did you? Yeah. Saw this last night. I liked it. I mean, I. There's not a whole lot I have to say about it that you didn't say when you talked about it a couple weeks ago. No, nah, it's just it's just a you know 
a fun little it, film. It put a smile on my face. And I really like the locations where this took place. I mean, these are all places that I've been. I've been to Miami, Austin, New Orleans. I uh, haven't been to L.A., but I hope to go there sometime no, in the near future. No, you don't. But that was that was the one thing I liked. I mean, I was just in New Orleans like a couple weeks ago. And the fact that they went to the market and Cafe Du Mall, I, I loved all that stuff. I yeah. thought that that was great that they you know, chose these kind of iconic food places from New Orleans. And they really accurately represented those places. It felt very real. Um, and that was one of the things I liked so much about this movie is that it felt, it felt real. I mean, these are you know, big name actors and whatnot, but the scenes where they're taking orders and it's, you know, chaos and the food truck and stuff. It felt very real. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, uh, the, the Austin scene was, was really cool too. Uh, I like, what did, what did you think of the, all the, the, the Twitter birds? Oh yeah. That was, uh, that all was that a little bit stuff. too much. That was a little bit too much. I'm, I, well, the, I, well, the, I, the thing that bothered me the most about that wasn't the like the Twitter bird specifically, but his ignorance to technology. It felt like it was just a little bit too much. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. He's not that good with technology. We don't have to keep returning see, to this. Now, see, I was completely on board with that because it's exactly the way that I am with some of these new technologies like that's exactly how i was with twitter i i still really don't know how the fuck twitter works well it, it's fine i just thought that they were revisiting that idea yeah a, a bit little too bit much. too much they were but returning did, to that well too i did too love all the moments when his son is you know like walking him through it i enjoyed those little small moments well between that, those two yeah because that that actually turned into a big part of the movie when he started forming this bond with his son that was kind of like the first thing that they really had a connection with like him him teaching his dad how to use this service and stuff and i liked all that stuff that was fine uh i like the music good music music was pretty good i'm trying to think of things that you didn't talk about and i'm struggling to remember you can't everything dude i i cover everything okay (laughs) Did you, know, did you notice the superstar Come the on. soundtrack featured a lot of songs that were like the uh, like original like 70s uh like soul and funk songs that would later get sampled and like wu-tang and stuff did you notice that? i did i did um who is that i love the jazz rendition of the wu-tang song i forget what that group is they played the original uh yes. version of cream as well in this the one that would be later sampled and used for i actually have a a vinyl called shaolin sounds and it's all the original versions of it's all songs that wu-tang sampled Mm, nice yeah they came out with a couple volumes of that but either way uh, i don't i don't know if i mentioned this but john leguizamo what do you think of him oh he was great wasn't i loved his character in this it, it was um, I was so happy to see Leguizamo in a role where he could just be himself and not be kind of pressured to be this you know caricature of himself. It was just nice to see him. It just made me very happy. 
I thought everybody I, I was missed, great. I, I liked all, all... Everybody in this was just... Was great. I missed like Wazama, and he was great. Yep, yep. Yeah, I thought I thought everybody did a did a great job. I I didn't think his son was the best actor, but no, no. <laughs> but you always got to come back. And I just I crush know those it's kids. so terrible. You fucking love to crush those kids, man. It's so terrible. You should it, start a you should start another website where it just <laughs> focuses on kid performances, <laughs> and uh, you're just you're a, you know you're just a dick, Armand White. Of kid performances. <laughs> uh, well, either way, I highly <laughs> recommend Chef. Definitely check this one out. I think it's one of the most enjoyable movies of the year. Yeah, I don't, I, it won't. It's sad because it won't land on my top ten. No, it just it isn't going to happen. We are the best was probably another one of the most enjoyable movies of the year. That won't land on my top ten either. Just no, but, because... but I hope. But I can see Chef hitting people's top tens it's yeah because they're entertaining they're fun they put a smile on your face but they are kind of forgettable i mean let's be honest right you're 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 pretty much going to forget about it by year's end and i think that uh, sometimes that's okay you know like (laughs) like chef is the kind of movie where if you see it on like a sunday afternoon or something it'll make your day like it'll (laughs) it'll it'll put you in a good mood because that's the kind of that's what it does it's got a good message it's uh maybe a little bit harsh on uh critics but in the end it it kind of feels okay it's just a just a great watch yeah well like both of those movies chef and we are the best it's just refreshing to see him not go down like you know take a dark turn or any of that stuff they're just fun they're just upbeat which has kind of been missing for the last couple of years yeah, it's nice to see. And also, I guess goes without saying, if you see Chef, you will immediately get Once hungry. It, yes, and you'll want to eat. There, there is some amazing oh. food scenes in this movie. I love that there's an entire scene where it's just Leguizamo pulling out a full sheet pan of bacon. Ba- the bacon, and the camera oh just pulls into the bacon. <laughs> And I'm just and like, it's the most perfectly cooked oh, bacon. Oh my god, it's beautifully cooked. I love um, the uh, how they also showed an entire scene of him making a grilled cheese sandwich, <laughs> which is amazing, and reminded me that I need a flat iron stove on uh, or a flat iron grill. Oh yeah, in my kitchen. Lord have mercy. Those are the best. I also love the the scene in Austin when they go into the back to where the the their, uh, they have the smokers or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. looked. So amazing. Yeah, which is unfortunate because my my barbecue place here just burnt down. Okay. (laughs) No, it's just because I've been wanting barbecue for a while and I don't have it because their smoker caught fire and burned down their building. So I have no barbecue options. Fortunately, I live in the south, so there's one on every block where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) Barbecue joints are like Starbucks in the south. Yeah, they're everywhere. Every gas station has a smoker in the parking lot. (laughs) You could just go up and get some barbecue. Uh, That's like our barbecue chicken church, roadside church barbecue chicken places. Yep. (laughs) Cooking chicken on a shopping cart. What's up? (laughs) oh god uh i have a a quote-unquote classic that i can't recommend that's called autumn sonata 
from Mr. Igmar Bergman. This is the first time I've ever been disappointed by a Bergman film. So it hit it hit a little bit harder than maybe it should have because it's the first one that I was wholly disappointed by. Mm. Uh, this is from 1978. It's one of his later works. Now, the acting, okay, the acting's unbelievable. It's fantastic. This is one of those small, like, chamber dramas where it's just really, uh, most of the film is just a long conversation between Ingrid Bergman, who plays the mother, and Liv Ullman, who plays the daughter, just sort of them, you know, talking about their, uh, Liv Ullman's childhood and how she, Ingrid Bergman was a terrible mother and this and that. So the acting is unbelievable. Top-notch stuff. Everything else is just nothing. Not noteworthy in any sense whatsoever. It was, it bored me to tears. There was just nothing that latched onto you because you're essentially just dropped into the story where it's like, it starts off like, oh, my mother's coming to visit. And you're like, all right, what's the story going to be? And then one night they just complain to each other the entire night. Liv Ullman blames everything on her mother, even like the most ridiculous things ever. And then her mother leaves. Everything goes back to normal. Movie over. And there's just, there's no context. There's no, you know, you're not emotionally invested in any of these characters. You just don't fucking care. It's like you're just watching two strangers complain about their lives it's that's how enjoyable it is mm. i mean they do a really good job of complaining about their lives but you just don't care and bergman never makes you care he doesn't even try and then while they're complaining about their lives there's like a series of visual accompaniments that go with it you know via flashback to like show the childhood and everything but nothing happens in these flashbacks <laughs> they're just they're nothing there's nothing there at all. They just show people like sitting in a room and that's it. And then they cut back to Liv Ullman's tear-stained face and she's sobbing and silent crying her ass off. And you just, there's no investment whatsoever. You just, I, I don't understand why people are so into this one. Kind of baffled. But I mean, if you want to see some great acting, yes, check it out. Outside of that, nothing much. Even the cinematography is very boring hmm. yeah just it hurt it hurt well yeah this doesn't seem like it'd be one for me anyway no you dude this is right up your alley you love your bergman get some two women chit-chatting for two hours oh no they just blinked and there's this like ham-fisted um live sister has some disease it's not really discussed what it is but she you know she's laid up in a uh She's paralyzed or whatever, and she can't really talk and this and that. And Liv Ullman blames it on her mother because her mother left one time during a vacation. So they were having a vacation. The mother left to go do, like, a piano recital. And she was like, that's why she got the disease. And you're just like, what? Shut up. Hmm. Quit bitching. My God. So I do not recommend that one. I don't have anything else. You don't have anything else? Nope. All right. Okay, yeah, I'm done. Okay. All right, let's talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ernie Trinidad. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Adam. How are you, sir? Well, I'll tell you, I probably would have been better had I not seen this movie. Uh, because, <laughs> let me tell you this, I don't know what you thought of it were yet. You left, were you left shell-shocked? I, yeah, I feel a little shell-shocked. Sorry, had to go there. Had to go there. 
I, I gotta tell you, I really hated this movie. Um, this was such a disappointment for me on so many levels, and I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. So let's just say this is directed by Jonathan Liebsman. Uh, I have a synopsis here. A group of mutated warriors face off against an evil kingpin who wants to take over New York. Uh, it stars Megan Fox, Will Arnett, William Fickner, uh, and Whoopi Goldberg's in there for some reason as well. Uh, also has the the voice of Tony Shalhoub as Splinter, kind of an odd choice, and Johnny Knoxville as Leonardo, even which is also kind of a weird, weird choice. Has a couple cameos in there too. Uh, Abby Elliott and Taron Killam from SNL are in there. Serve really no purpose. Uh, much like the entire movie, at least to me, uh, served really no purpose at all. I I wrote down some things that I just absolutely could not stand in this movie, and the <laughs> the list just kept growing and growing and growing. Now, the the yeah. first question I have for you is: Were you a fan? Of the original movies or the cartoons or the comic books, were you a Turtles guy? Um, I knew of the Turtles. I probably watched a couple of the uh, episodes uh, from the cartoon series, but for me, the Turtles were really the movies. And I, it's I'm not even waxing nostalgic here, but I love the original movies with the exception of the third one. And um, I mean, I knew for an update, it's like you got to keep that one at the wayside, but. My love for the first movie and even the sequel really, really tainted my opinion of of the remake. Well, I gotta say, uh, there there was just no escaping it. I went back and I rewatched the first two not long ago, and we talked more about this on last week's Ryan watches a movie. We had him watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, and they do not mm. hold up. Those original ones, when you watch them now, they're terrible, and they. Uh, well, I'd like to make a differ. I still like watching I, the first one. They, they have a special place in my heart, and I will always prefer the first one, but they're just, ugh, they're rough to get through, I, I think. <laughs> but that being said, this one was even worse for me to get through. I found none of it to be funny. All the jokes, the stupid, you know, this wasn't directed by Michael Bay, it felt mm-hmm. like it was directed by Michael Bay, except for... Uh, you, def- you definitely recognize the Yeah, except for yeah. the action scenes, which were much worse than what Michael Bay does, in my opinion. In fact, I think this probably would have been a better movie if Michael Bay directed it. Yeah, there was already enough rabbit fire cutting during the action scenes already. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would have made it worse. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. Either way, that didn't work. I thought that a lot of the humor was was a lot more crass than I kind of expected. Uh, there's like a scene where Will Arnett's like staring at Megan Fox's ass, and they're, they're just a lot of the jokes felt a little bit too adult for for kids. Even though this is a movie that's geared towards kids, and I felt that yeah. a lot of the tone of this movie didn't feel very kid friendly either. There was very dark and they tried to make everything very realistic although none of that really worked Mm. i think it'd be a tough movie to take like i don't know if i'd feel comfortable if i had a kid that was like maybe seven or eight years old i don't know if i'd feel comfortable taking them to this movie uh if i had a seven eight year old i'd just like uh make him watch the original (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, that's probably what I'd do. Um, but that stuff wasn't really what brought it down for me. What brought it down for me was just everything else. I thought that the character development was non-existent. I thought that this is a movie where we want to see the turtles. We want to we want to see them right. on screen. We want to see them in action. Yes, but we also want to see them interacting with each other and riffing off of each other and giving each other a hard time and all that stuff. We got very little of that in this movie. Yep. I felt like April O'Neil took up most of the screen time. And frankly, I didn't care about her story. I wasn't interested right. in her. I, I wanted to see the turtles. And I felt like the the turtles themselves uh, were not very developed as characters. I, I feel like what they tried to do was... When they designed the characters, they were like, okay, for Donatello, he's kind of the brainy one, so we'll give him a pair of nerd glasses and and some weird backpack that he never uses and like this holographic computer on his arm. And, and they use these kind of visual cues to describe each of the characters and their distinct personalities, but I didn't think that any of that worked at all. Like, I... <laughs> I just didn't, I wasn't buying any of that stuff. Uh, there was, uh, speaking of the character design, I didn't like the look of the turtles at all. Now, I knew what they were going to look like from the trailers and stuff, so that right. was something that I knew that I wasn't into going into it. Uh, Michelangelo, I thought, was the best character out of all of them. I thought that he had the most mm. personality. I liked that they brought back his skateboard and stuff and had him act like a surfer, you know, and he was the one that was joking more more than the others. And to me, right. the way that he acted was more like the turtles that I grew up with. Yeah. Although... Well, that's one of, the, one of the main things I was missing from this one was the playful banner between the four right. that was so prevalent in the original movies. I mean, you don't even have to go very far into the original movie just watch the opening credit sequence from the first movie and their, their cheesy banner, they're going off each other when they're trying to riff on a, uh, on a catch line. Like, uh, and they're going, awesome, tuber, like what? It's like, excellent, okay. Yeah. But none of, none of that, none of that existed in this one. They were just like, you never got the sense for me in the, in the remake. You never got the, really got a sense that they were brothers or a family. Right, exactly. So, and at the end, uh, so. it's not a big spoiler or anything, Raphael gives this big monologue at the end where he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I was really hard on you guys, and I, I smacked you around and stuff, but it was because I envied you and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, where, when did that happen? Why didn't we get to see any of that? Because yeah. I know, I, I grew up with these characters, I know the characters very well, and I can assume that these turtles in the remake interact with each other the same way mm -hmm. that they did in the cartoons and in the other movies. But because everything else has been changed or at least skewed, uh, I think that it's n a normal expectation to want to know more about how these guys work as a family unit, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's a, even beyond just the family unit, just even dealing with Splinter. It's just, you didn't feel like you were like, Granted, the originals came out 20-plus years ago. They, they were still, like, trying to teach lessons there. Like, uh, Splinter would sit Raph down and explain to him why his temper is going to get the better right. of him. And then, you know, like, yeah, he get that epiphany. Like, like I totally understand. And then here, it's like, Splinter's going to kick ass. It's like, and then yeah. you get the moment of epiphany, and you're like, literally, I guess it was 
Michelangelo does the the gesture of mind blown. Oh god, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of brings it back to the origin and how they handle the origin in this movie, which I thought was so terrible. And again, I don't think that this is... Yeah, it, it definitely felt heavy-handed, and the fact that they had to tie April O'Neil into it, into that as well. That was, t- that like, was so... Like, eh. It was so terrible. That scene when she's like, Leonardo? Raphael? And then they sh- then yeah. they cut to her, like, rifling through her shoeboxes and finding this stuff. It's like, are you kidding me? Is this where mm-hmm. they're going with this? I was... I mm-hmm. felt like... I, I felt betrayed during that. And then <laughs> the scene where Splinter is telling April what happened and how they were in the sewer and they grew up and all this stuff. He finds a book on ninjutsu in the sewer mm-hmm. and teaches himself ninjutsu, then teaches the turtles. Well, are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, well, you know, that's, that's one thing that they kind of did better than the original movie because in the original movie he was simply a rat martial art in his cage he wasn't human he wasn't nothing he was just a rat <laughs> and that was like one of the one moments from the original they were like eh, i wish they did that better i think in the cartoons it was that he was a human yeah and he had a pet rat and he like turned into a rat no. yeah he was turned into a rat but he was still either human. way rat form, i still but, feel like but... in the cartoon and in the, the original movie i feel like that they still described or came up with a better origin in, than in this movie. I don't understand why they have to tie yeah. it in with April and her father and everything's yeah. all tied together. And it's just such a crazy coincidence that all these pieces come into, into they fit together so nicely into this nice little package, mm-hmm. this little turtle package. And then with the uh, dealing with Shredder and his arc, it's just, it was just a, a a goon in a big silver samurai suit. Like, yeah, like what was there was actually what was there? They wanted to kill yeah. everybody. Like, what was the point of all yeah. that stuff? Like, um, and I've read count, countless reviews and people comment on the fact that the ending is straight out of Spider-Man One. Not 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 Raimi's, but uh, right, amazing. The Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, you can. I can totally understand that. I didn't. But um, I, I liked. I like the look of Shredder's suit, but I didn't like the functionality of it. Like mm-hmm. to me, if he's this martial arts master, you don't want to wear some mm-hmm. giant metal robot suit. Give me a break. You want speaking of martial arts, uh, martial arts mastery. The one thing that I really, really didn't like about the fact is this: these guys are ninjas. Right. They shouldn't be going, going. They should be going mano a mano, not fighting guys with machine guns. And yep. I guess that's because they they upgraded the foot from ninjas to mercenaries. Well, yeah, now that was and um, yeah, that was another thing I was going to bring up. And that, yeah, and that was another thing I loved about the original is like they actually did actual because it was produced by Golden Harvest and they did actual martial arts in this movie. The Ninja Turtles were actually going mano a mano with the foot, doing like all kinds of martial arts moves that you would expect from a regular Bruce Lee. Type. And, it, and if I remember Except correctly, in the movie and probably in the cartoons. The Foot Clan didn't have guns, did they? Did they use guns? No, no. The, the Foot were all yeah. ninjas, and they use. And in this one, they looked so ridiculous. They had those like masks that made their faces look like faces. <laughs> like I was, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like that at all. They're like straight out of three hundred or something. Yeah, like that. I didn't like that at all. They look like immortals. Uh, as far as the visuals go, I thought that it was pretty lackluster. 
lot of lens flare going on in this movie. Hmm. Too much lens flare. Uh, the action sequences were extremely chaotic and shaky, uh, pulled in very close. It was really hard to tell what the hell was going on. Now, that being said, I did enjoy the uh, the snow scene, the scene that's in the trailer where they're fighting and they're sliding down a giant mountain, although it was completely right. ridiculous. I mean, that scene lasts like 10 minutes. And it's like, okay, first of all, how long is this mountain that they're sliding down? And secondly, yeah. do physics just not exist in this world? I mean... And uh, thirdly, geographically, exactly how far is it? Right. From, uh, mountain range from exactly. New York City, because it doesn't look like there's any snow in New York City. <laughs> like one second they're in Manhattan, the next second they're in the Alps? I mean, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. But... I will say that I enjoyed myself watching that that one scene. I thought that it it was fun. I liked that was probably one of it was probably was the best scene in the entire movie, uh, with the exception mm. of the elevator scene. Yeah, was, yeah, the elevator scene, which is the only scene in the entire hour and forty minute movie that captures right. exactly the original movie because yep. like out of without spoiling much of anything, although you could probably find it on YouTube, they just the four of them are stuck in an elevator, and then they do what you would expect the turtles to do. Yeah, I loved that scene. I thought that that was, to me, that's what I wanted the whole movie to be. And they did release that clip online, so you can look that up. Uh, And and save save your uh, time. Yeah, exactly. I thought... Watch that again again. One of the other scenes that I thought was utterly ridiculous, and it pretty much, it, it sums up a lot of this movie, was that there was a scene where... Uh, several of the turtles are captured and April's trying to rescue them and <laughs> they're stuck in these like clear boxes and there's a touchscreen computer by it and she doesn't know what to do and she asks Donatello and he says adrenaline and there's a giant mm-hmm. button on the screen <laughs> that says adrenaline and she just pushes that <laughs> and all of a sudden they're yeah. they're like amped up and they escape yeah to yep. me I was like I, I that was a, that was kind of a funny scene. Are you kidding me? I was like, I, God. I don't know. It kind of reminded me of. I don't know if you remember the scene in the Iron Dragon where uh, where Hogarth had coffee for the first time. Mm. I like well, so, I like the kind of like I that. like the effect. I like the idea of of pumping yeah. the turtles full of adrenaline. It's just how that happened. I thought was ridiculous. No, no it's more referring to the after right, effects. Right, exactly. I like the after effects. Effect that, that was fine. That was funny. Uh, speaking of getting back to the humor of this movie, I thought that most of it didn't work. I'm, I've laughed maybe uh, three times, maybe. There was uh, a lot of jokes that just did not land. I, I was annoyed. Michelangelo was my favorite in this movie, but that being said, it really annoyed me how he was just constantly hitting on April. Like that, it just got <laughs> grating to me. I was like, yeah. what do you... What are you going to do? You know, you're going to try to have sex with her? I don't know. And wax on, wax off. There was, uh, there was at least one pop culture joke where they said, like, they, they made a reference to the ending of Lost. And anytime they put that those kind of jokes in movies, I just find it to be so brutal because it instantly dates the movie when they put that stuff in yeah. there. 
Yeah, like uh, when they're saying, like, oh, look, he's doing his Batman voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one, like nah. It, it's just, I, I know a lot of people are going to hate on this movie because of Michael Bay. And I know a lot of people mm. are going to defend this movie and say, this is just a summer movie. This is just a big blockbuster movie. You know, just get over it. Just turn your brain off and go into it. But I don't, I, I think that we deserve more. I honestly think that having a, a tr- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, you can make a good one. And I think that you can make mm-hmm. one that it doesn't have to be this deep movie, this deep intellectual movie that makes you think and has, has loaded subtext and all this stuff. Like, you don't have to do that, but just make a fun movie that's well made. And I don't think that this movie is well made. I think that it's uh, it's yeah. just it's pandering to kids to to buy action figures and to sell right. more tickets and i think that movies like this just there's no room for them anymore yeah for me it was just half a movie i mean anything to deal with the turtles i was fine with for the most part and anything not dealing with the turtles i was bored and i i think you i think you literally it's like 15 minutes before we actually see a turtle if not long and, and the first time we see him we barely even see him at all like Bef- until we get like a full-on interaction with them, it feels like it's even longer than that. Okay. I just yeah. and then you look back to your look back to the original movie. It's like five minutes in, you get them in the full-blown turtle yeah. turtle power, and then that was entertaining as hell. <laughs> but here I'm like I'm watching the I'm watching like how long has it been? Where's the freaking turtle? And I, I would uh, anytime they showed them actually fighting during the action scenes, I liked all that stuff. I thought that the the even though I didn't like the design of the turtles, I liked all of the action choreography with them when they were doing the hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat stuff with with uh, various members of the Foot Clan and all that. But I felt like, other than that one really big action sequence in the middle, the snow scene, and then there's a big scene at the end when they fight Shredder on top of that building, uh, everything else was just kind of bl- bland. There was just really nothing to it. And yeah, it's like uh, you could totally jettison Will Arnett and William Pickett. Yeah, it's like, it served absolutely no purpose in this movie whatsoever. It's like Arnett is strictly there for as, as the human uh, punching bag and uh, a uh, sidekick. And uh, my thing is like, take him out, put in Casey Jones. This would have been a very yeah. I, I thought for sure that they would put in Casey Jones like at the end or something. I didn't stay after the credits because I was just so disgusted with it. So. I don't know uh, if there's some kind of no, stinger or something. Uh, nothing at all. They did it. They did do a little so. thing towards the end to let us know that there will certainly be a sequel. And actually, today they just announced that the sequel has been greenlit. So yeah, it's coming out June of 2016, I believe. 2016. So they're wow. Yeah. So it's. I guess they're uh, coming out pretty quick. I guess you're. Their main concern would be is they're not opening up against a Marvel or DC movie. <laughs> it's already stay claim to that date. Uh, any other anything else you wanna you wanna talk about? I I hated Megan Fox's April O'Neil. I don't understand why that decision was made, and I thought she was terrible. I thought she was fine for what she was given, and she I'm like, all right. I mean, she's just playing April O'Neil. She's not the April O'Neil that I think of. I think back to uh, Judith Hogue or uh, Paige Turco from the first movies. And 
but and they were great. But uh, Megan Fox and Zayn O'Neill was like okay. Yeah, not. I guess it's better than Transformers. Better than Transformers, yes. And I would say that she's better than in when she was in Jennifer's body for sure. So maybe it's the best role that she's done yet that I can uh, there. She was in uh what was she in? She was in, um, the Apatow this is 40? movie that came out. Was she in that? Is that, is that what it was? Yeah, this is 40. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was, was good in that. That, that, that. She was good in that. Yeah. But of course she was like playing um, the same character type yeah, that she always does. So, uh, yeah, just, I cannot recommend this movie at all. I was going to write a review and I was like, nope, not even going to be worth it to me. <laughs> now, I haven't seen Transformers 4 and I heard that this is better than Transformers 4. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. if you like Transformers 4, maybe you'll like this one. But even on a nostalgic level, I can't recommend this at all because it's really yeah. not like the turtles that you grew up with. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a, a problem with that. I, I don't need it to be the exact same, but I mean, do I, but I would have loved it more if it had the same tone yeah, humor, it, it, and heart. Exactly. That the originals. Had. Exactly. And I think that that's what it yeah. is. There's just no heart of this movie. It feels very cold. It feels yeah. like just it, nothing more it, than a cash it's grab there. There. I would I would it's even there. say go back and watch the animated TMNT movie that came out a few years back. Just check that one out because even yeah. that one's better. The fourth movie, so technically the fourth, not a standalone. Is it? Yeah, if you uh, watch it, there's a scene in there where they actually show relics from their past adventures and include something from all three previous movies. Oh yeah, I do remember that. So, uh, it's been a while since I've seen that one. Yeah, for me three was the worst one until now. I never saw three. I never yeah. saw the third one. Oh, you didn't miss anything. Yep, I, I don't know. So. We talked about this on on Ryan watches the movie. I don't know how I missed that one, but I guess maybe by the time the third one came out, I was kind of out of that phase mm-hmm. because you you were probably older when the turtles came out, right? When the, when they started hitting big. Yeah, I would have. I would have been in my, uh, I guess, my early twenties when the first two movies came out. Yeah, see, I was like, so, I was like, uh, maybe like eight. So yeah. yeah, so I guess it was right in my uh, martial arts phase too, where I was just like, yeah, whatever, turtles, who cares? This is great. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think I think everybody so, was in that phase. Actually, I wanted to mention that in my before my screening, they did a martial arts demonstration. <laughs> like a local uh, karate group did a martial arts demonstration bef- before my screening in the in the movie theater and they did a thing where they all broke boards like one by one there's like five of them lined up and none of them <laughs> could break the boards really <laughs> and i'm sitting there and i was i leaned over to my girlfriend and i was like oh this isn't boding well for this movie <laughs> these people can't even break these boards and then after the movie, we go out into the lobby, and some woman is in the lobby uh, with a giant tortoise just crawling on the floor <laughs> in the lobby. And there's a balloon, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle balloon tied around the tortoise's shell. And I was like, okay, there we go. Right. Um, it was pathetic. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So. But allegedly, they'll, they said they're probably going to bring in. Uh, what were the two creatures? Big 
creature names from the turtles. The movies? Villains. Or, I can't remember. There was from Toka, the, uh, the car, from the car, from the cartoon. Bebop and Rocksteady? Yeah. They, uh, allegedly, they're being saved for the sequel. So I don't want to get my hopes up for it. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I would. I would think that they'll bring them in. They. They. They would have to. It couldn't. They wouldn't just make another sequel with just Shredder. Even though, well, I, oh, I mean, be, be it'll be interesting but... to see what they do because the original tur- uh, tur- uh, Terminator. I was going to say Terminator. The original Turtles uh, was kind of like on that cusp of adult kids entertainment, but the second one on was You're right. purely for kids. I remember the. F- so... I remember the first one was probably the first movie I ever saw where they said, damn. And I thought that, that was so edgy. Because the first one came out in, what, 1990? Yeah. So yeah. Early 90s. So I was seven. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the second one was definitely more The, the second one was really kid-friendly. I remember that it was brighter, too. Like, the second one was more colorful. Yeah. It had the vanilla ice thing. I remember there was a and, scene and, where Michael... And they had... Uh, and they had Super Shredder, which is kind of similar to the Shredder in this one. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. It is. And that was the other thing. The design, the, the how you could shoot the blades, and he had the magnets that bore. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh. Yeah, that, that that kind of bothered me too. I'm like, what kind of a samurai are you that you're going to be using projectile weapons instead of doing the what samurai and ninja would do, fight with honor with your katana or something? And it's like, or, oh. or spear. Do you, if you remember the original movies, there are so many scenes where it cuts away to Shredder, you know, giving orders, making plans. Like, it, they give him a lot of screen time to develop his character, and we can figure out what's going on. In this movie, they don't even show his face. I mean, which is fine. That That's okay. But yeah. they don't, you don't spend enough time with him to really even get to know, like, who is this guy? Where is mm-hmm. he coming from? What's he doing? They give us this ridiculous uh bit of exposition with william fickner where we learn that you know that's where he comes from japan and blah 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 and it just does not work yeah and and, uh also in addition with with shredder in the original movie again he was barking orders left and right but you don't know how powerful he is until that final fight with the turtles at the end where in here they don't even pull back right over, right off the bat. You know, Shredder's this big dude with all these weapons and everything. He's a real badass. It's like right. Like they don't even try to like. Okay, what what is he really? And why doesn't he just? I don't understand why he doesn't just kill them all. Like he has the opportunity, just kill him. <laughs> like you, yeah. you made him so overpowered that he can. He has arms made of like uh, blades. Multiple blades yeah. are are shooting from his arms. If you're going to make him that overpowered and he's so evil, you know, he's ordering people to get people are getting killed left and right or at least being ordered to be killed. And it's like yeah. if he's that evil, why wouldn't he like cut off Splinter's head and just be <laughs> leave it like that? Could have easily put a blade right between his eyes. Yeah. Uh what did you think of like the animation? The the what were your thoughts on the that character design? He- no, I thought you were talking about the animation that opened the film. <laughs> oh, uh, actually, that no, that that reminds me. I did want to mention that because when when I sat down, I really tried to have an open mind. And during those that opening the opening credits sequence, and when they were doing the voiceover that was kind of giving us the backstory on the turtles, 
and they were showing like mm-hmm. the the items flying in the air and being chopped and cut. I loved that. I thought that looked great. And then the movie started. And then the movie. <laughs> yeah, there was actually one other thing that I liked, uh, and it was like that stop motion sort of uh, not stop motion time lapse scene where when Splinter's describing their origin, uh, they uh, start to grow up. Mm-hmm. I like I like that. Or uh, mutate rather. Right. I like that, but the, I mean, it's such a small thing. But um, that's for for the design and look of everything. It's like for me, in my opinion, they're too big. It's um, again, if you look back to the originals, the turtles are probably no more than six feet tall, if that. Right, they're the human size. One, they're like they're like eight, nine feet tall. They're huge. <laughs> they're they're it's, monsters in this movie. They made their heads like smaller a, uh, too in this one. Yeah, it's like a complaint I had with Rob Zombie's Halloween, where in the original Halloween, Michael Myers was maybe six feet normal, every man. But in, in Zombie's Halloween, it's a, he's like 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's too big. <laughs> he's automatically intimidating. He's supposed to be like like a normal-looking dude, and then he gets you out of nowhere. But, uh, but these guys are just too big, and like, yeah, how, how are you supposed to hide these guys if they're so freaking large? And again... They're supposed to be ninjas. You know, they're supposed to be uh-huh. flipping on rooftops. They're silent. They're using, yeah. like, you know, smoke to, to conceal where they're at. But none of that happens uh-huh. in this movie. They're these giant never really... lumbering turtles. <laughs> yeah, you never, ever, ever see a moment where they capitalize on the fact they're a turtle. Yeah. Like, at that moment that's always immortalized, I guess it was uh, Mikey. Where he's fighting somebody and he goes into and then he a shell. his head inside a yeah. turtle and the guy misses and he comes down and beats the guy down. He's like, I love being a turtle. You never see anything like that in the movie except for the fact that it was saying, he's like, oh, use our shells. They're, they're bulletproof. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they find out that they're bulletproof. That was something that they never needed to explore in the other ones because in the other ones, they were martial arts movies and they, yeah, didn't, you, need, you saw, they didn't have you guns. Saw, yeah, you saw nicks on their shells from weapons. Right. So not 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 bullet uh, uh, pot marks or anything like that. So, but I guess kind of, that's another generation of turtles. I guess you know, it's all about the guns. I I think that that's. I mean, I, I guess they're trying to bring it into a real world setting. Maybe it, it it felt like they were trying to make it more grounded and realistic, but yeah. But there's only so far you can do something like right. that. Right, and on. but do we need they're turtles? Do we need it to be more grounded and realistic? <laughs> It, this is not Superman or anything like that, where you try to ground it in reality, where you might be able to. This is, these are turtles, right? There's some things I think that they that they can do that with, like Batman, for instance. And there's some things that I don't think they should even bother, like Guardians of the Galaxy. You don't see them trying to attempt to make it grounded and real. You know, they're like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a talking raccoon, a talking tree. They're they're in space. There's all these different aliens. And with this movie, they should have done it similarly, where they're like, these are talking turtles, they're ninjas, they're flipping through the air, there's other mutant creatures, possibly, I mean, not in this one, but they could have put more in there. You know, make it it fun, make it a comic book movie. If they're trying to appeal to our generation and make it darker and grittier, because that's what they like to do, you know, that's fine, but... Why don't they just draw from the original Laird and Eastman comic books? I don't know. I mean, uh, it seems to me like if they took, that they could just like 
lift the stories directly from those comic books and there you go you got a dark gritty uh, comic book story mm-hmm. so i'm not sure there are the opportunities out there to make a better better movie i mean i who knows what to do it better the second time around i i guess it really i guess it really comes down to they gotta get a better writer <laughs> well they, i think they need a better director too jonathan liebsman i i don't think he's a good director honestly I don't think... Well, I like Battle of LA. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, see, I never even bothered with that one. I did see Darkness Falls. I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. Uh, I saw Wrath of the Titans, and I hated all of those. So, yeah. I think that I'm done. I'm done with the Turtles. Like, in, Unless the sequel comes out and people are r- raving about it, uh, I'll be done with it. I don't think right. movies like this deserve to outsell Guardians of the Galaxy, and and this one is, so. Yeah, and inexplicably, who knows? Like, it didn't even seem like this was going to open that big. It just didn't feel like there was the energy out there for people to go flocking to see the turtles. It's just like, where'd that come from? Yeah, I like, I didn't know anybody that was so excited about this. I mean, critics certainly weren't excited for it. No one I knew was like, "Oh, yeah. dude, I can't wait to see turtles." Everybody I knew was mm-hmm. like, it "Looks." Terrible, like, and yeah, I, I don't know. You could, I could probably give ten bucks to somebody and ask me to uh, hum the theme to the new Turtles movie, and they wouldn't be able to tell me. But then I ask them, give them ten bucks <laughs> to hum the theme from the original, <laughs> they'll be able to give it to me note for note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you have not seen it yet, please do not go see it. This does not need any more of your dollars. <laughs> Uh, movies like yeah. this, I think that the powers that be need to need to understand that movies like this should not be made. <laughs> so the only way to do that is yeah. don't don't buy. Here's here's what you do: watch the original movies, and if your kids want the toys, buy them the original toys on eBay. Mm-hmm. Don't don't uh, don't bother with this one. So, all right, let's go ahead and give this a rating out of ten. Uh, I will give Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a, mm, let's go, 3 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I, was, I would go 4.5 uh, out of 10. 4.5 out of 10. Yeah, for me, again, for me, it's half a good movie. Anything dealing with the turtles, good. Anything else not dealing with the turtles, which is more than half of the movie, <laughs> bad. Yeah, yeah. I was also wondering how both Raphael and Michelangelo had sunglasses. And I was wondering what the point of those were. <laughs> I was like, why do you guys have sunglasses? What, what, are you, what are you wearing those in your dark sewer during the day? Or are you wearing them on the <laughs> city rooftops at night? Uh, future's so bright, they got to wear shades. <laughs> uh, there you have it. TMNT, playing theaters now. Don't bother. Ernie, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with us. No problem. Let's talk about Calvary. This is written and directed by John Michael McDonough. Stars Brennan Gleeson, Chris O'Dowd. Uh, let's see. His, his son, uh, Brennan Gleeson's son, is in this as well briefly. Uh, the synopsis says, After he is threatened during a confession, a good-natured priest must settle the dark forces, must battle the dark forces closing in around him. I cannot read today, apparently. Mm. Uh, now I will say a couple things. I I love Brendan Gleeson. I love. How can, how can you not? I love Ireland. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, I love this movie. Actually, I thought it was fantastic. Ooh. The, I mean, first of all, the the cinematography is amazing. But I, like you said many times before, a lot of times that it just has to do with the location and the where this takes place. This kind of small, close knit village. It just looks fantastic. I mean, look, yeah, yeah. But more than that. It's... I just I have to say I like the way that they incorporated those landscape shots in, like the way that they sort of edited them mm-hmm. into it, like where they would be these like little respites between the different scenes, sort of just like to lull you into the to the next sequence. Right. Yeah. Enjoyed that. I also I just I like the camera work too. I like how they uh, a lot of times it would start off kind of pulled back and then it would like go uh it'd be like above him and then would go like kind of down and zoom in and uh lots of sweeping camera shots and i like that uh i loved the the pub where a lot of this takes place i wish i had a local pub like that to hang out in because i'd be there all the time i'd probably be an alcoholic well yeah because i just loved the look of that pub i wanted to visit that place um, but the big thing that drew me into this movie was just the characters. I mean, there's, there's so many in, in this movie and each of them, it's like they, they're, everyone in this town is battling with demons and it feels like Brennan Gleason is the one that's just trying to hold it on to hold it all together, but he is failing. Well, yeah, cause they're not even coming close to like meeting him halfway right i mean they treat him like shit throughout this has and to I be mean, i'm like you know that i'm a pretty full-on atheist but even me watching this movie i'm like man cut the guy a fucking break come on he's just a nice guy he's trying to help out but man it's just just the onslaught that he receives from this from this village is yeah. just everybody ugh. everybody in this village that he encounters uh is a complete asshole (laughs) pretty much in their in their own special way they're just terrible people i I don't know this must be the worst town in the entire (laughs) world because everybody is a selfish self-centered asshole yeah pretty much pretty much but they were all they're all very interesting like the one guy uh i don't know I don't know his name. The guy, the guy that that sounded like he was in uh, a movie, like a gangster movie from like the forties. The oh, what, what it, do you know? What do you say? Oh my god! He Owen Sharp, who play, he plays Leo, the Leo character that you're talking about. I oh my god, that character almost single handedly ruined this movie for me. <laughs> I just as soon as he showed up, it's like you do not belong here at all. Why are you here? It was very weird. It's just, he stuck out like a sore thumb. It was awful. I don't, and he really didn't add anything to the movie. So I don't understand why he was there. Yeah. He was the he was the main person I had a problem with. The only other thing that I felt seemed out of place was the Milo character, played by Killian Scott. It just, he just seemed to be there for comedic relief. But the comedic relief was so off the wall. You know, he's talking about chicks with dicks and stuff. 
he was an odd character. And it's just like, I, I think, what? Well, I think a, a part of this, so let's, let's back up a little bit, because the synopsis doesn't really um, set the stage for how this movie plays out. So basically, the film starts with him doing confession, and the person says, I'm going to kill you in a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kill you uh, for no for no other reason uh, other than you're a you're a kind-hearted person. You're 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 an innocent, and that's why I'm going to kill you to yeah. set an example. Because this person admits that they were repeatedly abused sexually by the church, and this is their way of getting back at those people by killing one of their own and an innocent one also. Yeah. Correct. So it sort of plays out like a whodunit. Because now, I have to, I have to ask, did you know at the beginning who it was? No, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, Unfortunately, I'm very good with voices. So as soon as the guy opened his mouth, I was like, oh, it's, what's his name? That was, yeah. See, that was the thing. Like through process of elimination, you can figure out. Now he does kind of mask his voice a little it. bit, but not enough. So I had my suspicions i didn't know what what way it was gonna go but i think that that's why we have all these characters because i think part of the movie is us trying to figure out who this person is like that's i think that that was built into the movie where we're trying to figure out which one of these horrible people (laughs) is the one who made this threat um i i liked aiden gillen's character a lot i thought that he was just such a a despicable yeah he was he was person he, he was a prick but at, at the same time he was just so kind of charming in a way his uh his voice bothered me i don't know if that's the, how he normally talks but he sounded like an irish batman it, it's not how he talks in game of thrones i like i know he's irish i get that but i hope that he doesn't talk like that he just sounds like a sounds like batman I didn't have an issue with that. <laughs> I had an issue with it. It's the little uh, things that bother me. And the the guy from the guy from Shaun of the Dead. I don't have his name up here either. Oh, the, the guy that played the super Dylan, rich, the super rich guy. Is that Dylan Moran? Yeah, Dylan Moran. I love the fact that he yes. he had to end every sentence with "It's very expensive." I love yeah. I love this this, is, the this pen, is my the pen. pen scene. It's very expensive. He was a, he was a pretty big prick as well, but I liked I just liked the layout the this how this film was was structured. I liked the the plot. I liked the idea of uh, this this priest who is clearly having a crisis of faith. He's dealing with his daughter who tried to commit suicide. He's got all this shit like just piling on, and, and it's it was so interesting to see how he was dealing with that. At one point, his church burns down. That's not a huge spoiler. That's in the trailer. And somebody kills his dog. Yeah, what's up with that? Come on now. It's, yeah, so it's just all this stuff piling on. It was so interesting to see how he handled that. And I I liked Brendan Gleeson's character so much. I, I felt like this was cast so perfectly for him. I think this is one of the best roles I've seen him in in a he, long he, time. He doesn't. Does He's, he does an unbelievable job of mixing, you know, like emotional depth and just like a tenderness to his characters, but also where he's, he's able to hit you with those witty one-liners mm-hmm. 
and he has that little bit of edge to him too mm-hmm. that works perfectly. It was, I mean, I will sign up for anything that has Brandon Gleason in it. Brandon Gleason is in it. I'm going to watch it. What did you that's, think? That's what I've learned over the last couple of years. What did you think of his son? His son's performance in this. He wasn't in it very much, but he wasn't in it very much. But he also happened to be in a scene what I thought was just entirely too on the nose and didn't need to be there at all, which kind of threw the film off for me a little bit. Well, I just I didn't think it needed to exist. It didn't all. bother me because to me it almost felt like it was uh, like a slice of life story where we're just we're just following him and this is his this is his routine we this is his job and these are the types of things that he does he he goes and uh you know does yeah. does the it, prayer over people that are dying and goes to visit people in prison and that's just what he does i just didn't i didn't uh number one i didn't find the whole cannibalism angle to be believable first off second it's too on the nose because you know he's consuming flesh and there's the whole you know body of Christ consuming you know the body of Christ so I thought that that was too much on the nose and then I was talking about oh you get to play God when the eyes go out and the fact that Gleason's character is essentially God himself because he gets to decide who can repent and who can't because the guy's trying to repent but Gleason won't let him so he ends up taking the form of God as well so he you know keeps him from being absolved of his sins I just I did it I thought it was too much. Yeah, that didn't been... it didn't bother me. That didn't bother me at all. Um I'm trying to think of some Do other you, The only the only other thing when well, number one go way back to the cinematography thing, I thoroughly enjoyed like the asymmetrical framing that he did throughout and though just the lighting of certain things, how it kept switching from like muted grays to like vibrant sunlight. I thought that it's just a beautiful film to watch. And the performances are pretty damn good, except for that Leo character. <laughs> and uh, the only thing, I, the only other thing I had a problem with was the. I didn't think that the dark humor mixed so well with the emotional scenes. I knew that wasn't going to work for you. I knew sometimes they did. Other times it just felt entirely too forced. And then, and then they also had those emotional scenes where they would have that you know, overly sappy music playing and it just, everything kind of felt a little bit forced, but it's, this movie is one that is one that is growing on me. Like at first, when I first, as soon as I was done, I was like, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed myself, but I don't think it was that great, but it has grown with me over the last couple of days. I, I haven't been able to get it out of my head. I thought it was great. I, highly, I, I, I definitely recommend it. I think that a lot I, of this might even go in my top 10 and i definitely recommend it too because it is an interesting movie and i i love these types where they work both ways where you know just face value just take it at face value and just watch it and it's entertaining and it's a good movie and then second if you do start to dig into it a little bit with the epigraph at the beginning of the film about the two thieves mm-hmm. and then you sort of think about Gleason's character and Dylan Moran's character and Chris O'Dowd's character and which one's the thief and who's the Christ figure and you know sort of digging into all that it's it's very interesting so I love when movies work on both levels I also thought the end was uh, a very powerful ending not 
not what happens in the climax, but at at the end, I I can't say anything about it, but it, it involves his daughter. I thought that that scene where they were just cutting back and forth and there was no like sound or anything, it was just the music. I thought that that was that really hit me, really hit me hard. Hit you hard? Hit uh, you hard? Heart? Yeah, at the end gotcha. of that movie hit me very hard. Gotcha. I so. did not. I did not like those last tacked on after the climax. I didn't like those. I thought the, that that kind of went without saying. I don't think you really needed to show it. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too critical. I don't know. I thought it was great. I thought what it worked. It? I thought it worked. I thought that it was a nice. It was a nice closer. Ooh, bring you a little closure. Yep. All right. Uh, all right, Calvary. What are you gonna give it? Yeah, out of ten. Hmm. I think I'm. I'm at seven. I'm at seven right now. Okay, I'm gonna give it an eight. Ooh, I might, I might even bump it up to an eight and a half. I need, I do need to see it again. Uh, This was a last minute watch for me last night, so uh, I think I need to see it again at some point before I compile my final top ten of the year. I'm gonna try to. Hopefully, it'll be out on like DVD or whatever by then. I currently have a lot of movies that are sitting at that like seven to ten spot. I think I have like twenty movies tied. I have a lot, so yeah. Where they can, you know, where they can just they can be interchangeable between that seven to ten spot. It's gonna yeah, be rough. Same, same here, same here. All right, let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week we said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you predicted thirty-six. I predicted thirty-eight. Actual nineteen. Ouch. Oh. Yikes. Step Ouch. up all in. You predicted 37. I predicted 32. Actual 43. So mm. appara- apparently not the worst of all the step up movies. We do have a review for that one up on the site. Into the Storm. You said 12. I said 42. Actual 20. I'm still, I'm still not. It's like, is it a movie? It's a movie. Is but it? I, I'm like, wondering. Is it, a movie? It, it almost feels like it's one of those weird, like, faith-based movies or one of our america you know like yeah, one of those just, weird ones i don't god hmm. because it's it got confusing. a wide release so it gets a wide release uh as far as i can tell there was no marketing done on this movie whatsoever yeah this is what pisses me off how the fuck does into the storm get a wide release in every single goddamn theater around me but i can't for the life of me see boyhood yeah why why does this happen all the time. Every weekend I had to go through this shit. I have no idea. And apparently they didn't... I don't think they released... They did... I don't think they did uh, press screenings for Into the Storm. I don't think they showed it to critics. Surprise. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know what's what's up with that one. But either way, got a 20. So, doesn't look that good. Uh, next week, we have Let's Be Cops... What are you thinking on this one? Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I don't no, think this looks funny at all. No, like, I have no desire to see this whatsoever. No. Nope. Um, I'm going to say 40. I feel like if it was going to be any good, they would have released it earlier in the summer. Mm-hmm. Generally, these these movies that come out towards the end of the summer are not, you know, yeah, they're, not they're ones that, that they don't expect to do very well. I'll say 42, who knows. Expendables 3 also comes out next week. I will say 
I'll say 50. 50? Yeah, that's probably that's probably high. I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with like 54. You know, the thing about these Expendables movies is they're they're never good, but oftentimes they get decent reviews from critics just because What's they they do what they set out to do fairly well. Yeah, they they just their goal is to make an entertaining action film. I mean, they know that they're not making a good film. Uh, next week, uh, The Giver also comes out, but I don't know. I'm assuming that's a wide release, but I don't really know. That's the, that's the one that's based off the young adult novel. I don't think we need to. We're not going to predict that. I think yes, it, it's predicted, man. All right. What are you thinking on The Giver? I'm thinking 47. 47? Meryl Streep's in that, right? Isn't yep. she? Doesn't matter. Hmm. I'll it say uh, ugh, 40, 49. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In limited release next week, we also have Frank, great, which I still have not seen. Life after Beth, which I unfortunately can't recommend. The trip to Italy, which I can recommend. Oh, you have seen Life After Beth? Yes, I saw it at Sundance. Oh, I I didn't like it that much. Didn't didn't like it too much. You know, I'm a zombie movie guy too. I know that's, that's it. Didn't weird. do it for me. It wasn't as funny as what it tried. It, it tried to be a lot more funny than it really turned out. And it was, yeah. it was just a little bit underwhelming. I mean, it's fine. It's not a bad movie per se, but it just didn't really land for me. Uh, the Trip to Italy, which is the follow-up to The Trip. It's good. It's kind of more of the same. But they they do their like <laughs> Michael Caine impressions, so that's worth it just for that. Do they? So they do do another Michael Caine off. Oh yeah, oh nice. yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing. Dinosaur Thirteen, which is a documentary. What? All these, all four of these movies were playing at Sundance. Actually, Frank Life After Beth, The Trip to Italy, and Dinosaur Thirteen. Uh, don't know too much about Dinosaur Thirteen. I think it's about. Uh, it has something to do with the archaeologists excavating this like uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex or something like that, and and uh, I don't know if it has to do with like there was some sort of dispute over ownership of it or oh, where, where it was is, going. This is the one where they found the largest, like most complete skeleton of a T Rex. Yeah, and they're battling over it. Yeah, okay, it's slightly it, it, interesting. Yeah, it looks like it could be interesting. I heard good things. Uh, Ragnarok, Cold Water, and Septic Man. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds like a good time. On video on demand next week, we have the Septic Man, which I will actually be seeing because it. I saw the trailer for this. Looks kind of interesting. Looks extremely gross, but uh, I'm interested um, in it. I would imagine Devil's Mile, which I can't recommend. The Trip to Italy, The Dog, Ragnarok, and Jake Squared. I don't know what Jake Squared is. It sounds like a 90s uh, it does. Disney it, Channel show. Yes, it does. <laughs> right, uh, it came on right after Even Stevens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Batman Assault on Arkham, which uh, I did see that. Didn't mention that on the show, but that is quite good. One of the one of the best DC animated movies I've seen in a while, and they're all pretty good. So all this right. one highly recommend. All right. 
if you're into Batman and the Batman characters, there's pretty much every one of them in this because it's in Arkham, so it's got everybody and the Suicide Squad's in it too. So that's very cool. Okay. Extremely adult. Like really? there's there's a scene where Deadshot is having sex with Harley Quinn. Whoa! Yeah, and oh. she's like topless in more than one scene in this. I mean, it's, it's like it doesn't show nipple, but it gets really close. Uh, there's scenes where people's heads are exploding. There's decapitations. I was, I actually had to look to see what this was rated because I thought it was rated R. It's not. No, it's PG thirteen. Get the hell out of here! <laughs> I was really surprised. I'm really good at like being able to see a movie and be like, oh, that's rated R. That's rated PG thirteen. I thought for sure this was going to get the R rating. It, it is hell? not for kids. Wow. Uh, well, so, but I do well, recommend seeing it. It's it's pretty good. Filth. Still haven't seen this yet. I, I don't think it's. I don't think I'm going to see it. Mm-mm. You know, it's one of these ones that just. It's been yeah. so long that it, I doubt that I'll get around to it at this point. No. Nope. Disney's Bears, which we will be. We will have a review for that up. Uh, the uh, Haunted House Two. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Lock, which I'm pretty excited to finally get to see. Hell yeah. Muppets Most Wanted, which yeah, that looks terrible. I I, just I really good. enjoyed the first one, but this one just looks so... It looks like, remember when they would come out to with straight-to-video sequels on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of these kids' movies? That's what it looks like. It does look exactly like that. You are correct. Uh, Rage with Nicolas Cage. Yes. <laughs> not too sure about that one. The yes, Railway sir. Man. Heard uh, not so good things about that, actually. No, that doesn't does appeal to me. Good. I'm not a big Firth guy. You're not a fan of the Firth? A lot of people just love Colin Firth, and I'm just... I, I like him as an actor, but if I see him headlining a movie, I'm not immediately on board like some people. He does seem to have a a, uh, a strong people, fan base. People forget that he does shitty movies too. Like he does a lot of shitty movies. It's not like he's Tom Cruise, where you, you see a Tom Cruise movie coming out and you're like, oh, that's probably going to be pretty decent. With Colin Firth, it's like, what was it? Wasn't there one that we gave Ryan that was like, it was called, what was it called, like State and Maine or something? Yeah, well, he did something like. The, and just recently he did that. Wasn't Arthur Newman? Wasn't he in that one? Oh, yeah. It was like straight to VOD or yeah. DVD or whatever. I'm just... Has anyone taken the opportunity to use the phrase mirth of firth? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you just coined that. I would be really disappointed if no one's ever used that. I think you need to coin that phrase. I guess I should tweet that. Yes, yeah, sh- shoot that out on Twitter. Get 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 your name attached to that. <laughs> that's my, that's my. Uh, finally, we Turtle Power, which is that documentary we mentioned a couple uh, last week about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm interested in that. It's one of those light docs. I enjoy I enjoy some light docs. Any criterions next week? Oh man, we have a big one. At least for me, anyways. I've been waiting for a uh, DVD release of this for quite some time. I'm thoroughly excited. It's coming out on Criterion. One Blu-ray. We got Love Streams, 1984, John Cassavetes with Gina Rollins. Oh, 
I can't wait to pick this one up. I've ne- I haven't been so excited for a Criterion release in quite some time. This one is... I've been waiting patiently for <laughs> weeks. I can't wait to dig into this one. Because I've seen most of Cassavetti's work, and the, but this one. This one has eluded me. And now it's finally out on Criterion, so I highly recommend this one. I haven't even seen it yet, but my heart's behind it. I love get it. I love blind buying Blu-rays. That's like one of the I miss, my, yeah. I miss that. I I just I love doing that on like older movies that I've never. I don't blind buy new movies because I, I usually see most of those. But like older movies, ones that like slip through the cracks for me, I just love blind buying them. All right, I think that that will wrap it up. Were there any other Criterions? Nope, that's the only one because okay. you can't fuck with Cassavetes. Yeah. All right, I think that that'll do it. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to raise on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. This is written and directed by Giant. G- giant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>